My name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors at Gospel Community Church. I want to talk with you today about the Training Day podcast. That's right, the Training Day podcast. The Training Day podcast exists to continue your learning so that you can be equipped for every good work in every day life. Our hope with the Training Day podcast is to create a resource library for you, your friends, your family, uh, whether you've been a believer for many years, new to the faith, or not a Christian at all. We're hoping that this will be a resource library for you so that you can learn what it looks like to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and land it in everyday life. So we want you to subscribe to our podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us there on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, The Training Day Podcast, or our website, trainingdaypod.com. So please go subscribe and let's grow together in Christ. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. I told you all last week I wasn't into all the technology, so that just proved that point. But God is good to us, and God is faithful, and God is loving, and God is kind. And if I can get this countdown thing set, I'll know how long I've got to preach. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote here to the church at Corinth. It is strong, it is heavy, and it is given in love. He spoke to everyone in Corinth as if they all understood what the games were about. You see, they were very close to Athens where the Olympics were held every four years. But at the Isthmus of Corinth, they held games in the odd years in two-year intervals. And they would compete in them, and it was what happened in their community. And they were involved in it. Now, these people didn't go home and turn on NBC or Fox Sports and watch the Olympics. They had to go to the games to see what was happening, and they had a greater understanding of it because they didn't have quite so much stuff robbing their time as we do in this world today. These games were held from 776 B.C. until 393 A.D., and that's a total of 1169 years until Theodius removed them because of their pagan background. You see, these games were set up and started to worship false gods. One, it was held in the stadium of Poseidon, the god of the sea. And he wanted to do away with that because he was trying to Christianize the nation. Now, one thing you cannot do is legalize righteousness. You cannot put it in legal terms. Righteousness is something that comes from the inside out. We've seen many attempts to legalize righteousness. We saw prohibition here in our country where people thought, well, if we could just get rid of the alcoholic beverages, then everything would be all right in our country. But that is not the solution. The solution is that it has to come from the heart and it has to come from the inside to the outside in order to be what God has intended for it to be. Now, as we look at these games, we need to look at these games with gospel eyes. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. 
He's saying, and we're going to look at all four of these verses individually, but in verse 24, he's trying to get the point across that there is a prize and that we should run for it. This is a prize that we need to compete for, and we will fail to win the prize if we fail to run. Sometimes we see people that just fail to run. I've watched many races where people didn't even come out of the starting blocks, and so they were already out of the race to win the prize because they failed to start. If you fail to start, you will never finish. And that doesn't matter if you're building a house, if you're building a road, if you're building a church, or if you're trying to run a race. If you fail to start, you will never finish. Verse 25 tells us what it takes to reach the prize and how intently we must follow after it. It also says that they were competing for a prize that was perishable. But thanks be to God, we are working for a prize that is not perishable. And that prize is Jesus Christ. We get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ because we've been called into the race. We've been chosen to run the race. We've been given the course for the race. And by working and running the race, we will attempt to reach our goal. And Jesus can say unto us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In verse 26 The Apostle Paul tells them to focus on the prize. And I think we need to do that. I know Greg needs to do that. Greg struggles with keeping focused on the prize and seeing that the end result is much better than the things that we go through here. What the Apostle Paul said in another place, he said that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And we know that this year has been crazy. Amen? This year has been upside down, but right now God is calling his people back. And in the midst of 2020, God has a plan. God is working his plan. God is going to be victorious. God is not going to be overthrown. And God is going to have a people that will follow strong after him. Verse 27 teaches us that we need perseverance to win the prize. That prize is often overlooked or forgotten about. But Paul said, Lord, help me that I don't, in the end, after preaching to others, be disqualified myself. That word disqualified there, and I want to tell you this up front, does not mean kicked out. That word disqualified means counterfeit. You know what counterfeit is. It's when you get a $20 bill that's supposed to be real, but somebody decided to print it at home in their basement, and so it doesn't really work. You might as well use Monopoly money, right? Sometimes we have to go beyond. We've got to be sure we have what is real. It may say a 20 on it, but if it's not green and backed by the United States Treasury, then it will not spend. We need to be sure that we are not counterfeit. We are true, we are faithful, and we are the real deal. Everybody say real deal. Real deal. So let's get into this text. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I want to clarify this right off the bat. This verse does not say only one believer is going to heaven. 
What he's saying is that we have a work to do in this life. We've got a course that we've got to run in this life. And we've got to be sure that we endure to the end in order to receive the prize. Now, in the Olympics and in the Isthmian Games, they had only one winner of the prize. But we, as the body of Christ, will all win because the body of Christ is singular. And we will all win if we endure to the end. He said here that we've got to know that all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. You know, when you go to the games, there are four different calibers of people there. There are the fans, and they're everywhere. They're there just to watch. These are the Corinthians that didn't have cable TV or satellite, and so they went to the games so they could watch them, and they saw them in person, and they encouraged, and they had their favorites that they cheered for just like you and I do. They also had workers that were there to guide them to their seats, or maybe somebody was walking up and down the aisle saying, popcorn, fresh popcorn, get it right here. But there were people that had to work at these games in order for the games to come off. They had to prepare the track. They had to prepare the field. They had to have everything that was necessary in order for the race to begin. And not only were there fans and, and uh, workers there, there were officials there that had to govern the games. They had to look and they had to see, okay, is this man starting off in his lane? Is he finishing in his lane? Is he doing everything that he needs to do in order to comply to the rules? You see, these races had rules and our race has rules and this is the rule book for our race. We will use this word of God to guide us and direct us as we run this course, as we compete in this race and it's not a competition one against another. It's a competition against us and the enemy of our soul. We've got to outdo the enemy of our soul. Now, I don't know if you all have noticed it, but I think the devil has kind of upped his game this year. So I think we need to up our game the same way. We need to take it to a different level. We need to take it up a step. We need to do a little more and work a little harder. Not because it is about works, because it is not. It's about grace. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But we need to understand that when we run this race, there are fans, there are workers, there are officials, and beyond that, there are athletes. The athletes are the ones that train so hard, that work so hard. And I will tell you right now, God doesn't call people just to sit in the stands. God calls people to get involved, to get engaged, to be a part of this great thing that we are involved in called following Christ and discipleship. And if we will do that, God will see us through. God will not ask us to do anything that he will not equip us to do. You have to run like you want to win is what Paul is saying. Y'all have heard the story of the tortoise and the hare. The hare thought he had plenty of time so he'd get lax. He'd rest. He might stop by the barbecue joint and get him a barbecue. I don't know. But he took his time. And the tortoise that kept going continually and kept working toward the goal in the finish line, he won the race. We've got to be sure we keep going. There is no place for us to stop. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. 
God uses people, and as long as you are here, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to run this race and to look to the finish line so that you can accomplish what God sent you here to do. You have a purpose in your life as long as you're drawing breath on this earth. And God will use that for His glory if we will submit ourselves to Him. we got to run, and we've got to fight like there's no tomorrow. One guy said you got to run and fight in this race like you're the third monkey in line at Noah's Ark. you got to be sure you get up there. you got to be determined that you're going to get in. You've got to be determined that you're going to win this race. And the way that we win this race is to cross that finish line with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is a fight of faith, and it is a race of grace. And everyone needs to get in the game. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for souls. Again, that 24th verse says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? We are running and we are fighting for souls. Others that have been called and chosen to get them the word that Jesus Christ saves, heals, and delivers, that he loves us. Just like it says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but should have everlasting life so get in the game it's a grace race it's not a works race you see running does not nullify grace running verifies grace the fact that you run lets others know that you found something worth running for and worth fighting for People in this world are looking for a cause worth carrying. They're looking for a mission worth going on. They're looking for a plan worth achieving. And they can see it if we are running the race. We've got to get in the race. And we can never win if we do not begin running. Grace does not nullify. I mean, running does not nullify grace, but it verifies grace. When people see you running, it's proof that you have reached them by the fact that you walk in grace, that you run in grace. I like that old song, It's My Desire. If you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. He took me. I love what David said. I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my prayer and he lifted me up out of the miry clay and set me upon a rock and put a new song in my mouth, even a song of praise and many shall see it in fear. That's the people that are watching the race because this race is being observed. Your race is being observed. People are watching. Hebrews 11.6 says it this way in the King James Version. I like this version because it has a couple of other words in there that it doesn't have in the ESV. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. There's the prize. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's ask ourselves the question this morning. Are we diligently seeking him? The word of God tells us in the book of Ephesians 
that it, in 2 and 10, that we are created in His image for good works that were planned long ago. So works are important. In James chapter 2, it says more than one time that faith without works is dead, being alone. We have got to put works with our faith, not because it earns us the, the right to enter in, but because it lets other people know that we realize the grace that was extended to us. I realize the grace that was extended to Greg Reed because Greg deserved to die the death that Jesus died but because Jesus died in my place for my sin, I get to live the life that Jesus Christ gave me. Let's look now at verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. That was 25 and 26. The athletes exhibit a great portion of self-control and training. You see, athletes are gifted people. I had the privilege to be raised by a man that was a gymnast. I was the firstborn, so I got to watch him do a lot of stuff. He walked on his hands till he was over 40 years old. I do good to walk on my feet. I watched him work out on the rings and do spins and flips and handstands in the air. Why? Because of the rigorous self-control and training that he put himself through. If athletes that work for a perishable prize are willing to pay the price for this, should not we people that are working for an imperishable prize of Jesus Christ be willing to put ourselves through and be more self-controlled? You see, self-control here talks about controlling the body. And now the body in itself is not sinful, but I'll tell you this, it is the seat and the place where sin begins. Because if we cannot keep our body in control, then we fail. Then we sin. Then we fall short of the mark. Then we stop and take ourselves out of the race. Like Paul says later on, we disqualify ourselves. Hebrews 12 and 1 says it this way. Wherefore seeing also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience that race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, Jesus began this race for us and in us. Jesus started it. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. And it is because of that that we are in this race, because of the election and calling of Jesus Christ. When we see that, we've got to ask ourselves as we run this race, what is robbing my attention from the prize? What's distracting me? What's causing me to be slothful in my work for the Lord? What's causing me to be less focused? The Word of God says many times, examine yourself. In 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about the Lord's Supper, and it says, let a man examine himself. 
numerous times in the New Testament, it says, examine yourself. You know, I've never seen in there where it tells me to examine somebody else. Oh, me. It doesn't tell me to examine Josh and the way he runs. But, you know, we have a tendency to do that. We start running and we're going down the road and, and I'm carrying along a pretty good pace. And then I say, well, Josh, he's kind of breathing heavy and he, he's not doing it quite right. Now, how are we? Hey, Josh, you need to change your stride. Why do we as Christian people decide that we need to tell everyone else how to run and not us how to run? You know, the biggest problem that I have is me. It's nobody else, it's me. I'm the one that gets in the way. I'm the one that gets distracted. I'm the one that fails to exercise self-control. And that word self-control, let's talk about that just for a minute. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Temperance, in the Old Testament, talked about self-control. Temperance in the New Testament Greek means spirit-controlled. I need to be spirit-controlled. I don't need to be self-controlled because I know self. Self will get me in trouble. I need to be spirit-controlled. The Word of God says He's sending a comforter to us, and that comforter is the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us, we can know that we can lean on Him because He will not guide us astray. But the Holy Spirit will guide us through to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Life is not a place for proving to God how strong we are, but it is a place to prove to the world who we trust. David said many times, trust in the Lord. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. He will show you how to run this race. Trust in the Lord. We have to trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us. I need to be spirit-controlled, not self-controlled. I need to be temperate of what God is doing in my life through the Holy Spirit. So how do we lose this besetting sin that they talked about in Hebrews? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We lose besetting sin by repenting. The athletes would say, well, I'll eat this. It's full of protein. It'll give me the vitamins and nutrients that I need. But I better stay away from that Big Mac or that piece of chocolate cake. Now, I'm just using that as an example. Don't say I can't ever eat chocolate cake again because I'm looking forward to some. But we have to realize we have to exercise self-control. So often we ask, can I do that and be a Christian when that's the wrong question? Why do we ask that? Can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I do that? We want to see how close we can live and look like the world instead of how close we can live to God. Why shouldn't we ask, will this maximize my effort in this race? Will this bring me to my fullest potential? 
These athletes would train and work to maximize their performance. And when they would do that, they would get better at whatever they did, whether it was weightlifting or wrestling or racing or dancing, whatever it was at the games. They did it to maximize their performance. So what do I need to do to maximize my performance? Verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I come up in a different era. When I was a kid, most boys were going to get in a fight sometime or another. My dad was pretty smart. One day he brought home a set of boxing gloves. I couldn't have been but about eight or nine years old. I said, what are those for? He said, I'm going to teach you how to box. What do I need to know that for? He said, because I know you, and one day you're going to get in a fight. Well, God knows us. And one day we're going to be in a fight. And we need to know how to defend ourselves. We need to know how to be strong. We need to know how to overcome the enemy. And we need to know that God has a way for us. He says, there is no temptation taken you, but that that is common to man. And in that temptation, he will make a way of escape. I used to tell people I'd never been beaten a fair fight, that it wasn't fair to hit a guy while he's running. <laughs> but sometimes we have to face the adversary. When you're going toward the adversary, you are the aggressor. Let's be the aggressors in this life and let's go after the souls that are there at stake. For the scripture tells us the fields are white with harvest. Pray for laborers. That's what Erica was doing up here this morning, asking for laborers to work together because souls are at stake in this race. It's not just, will I win a prize? Do you know what that prize was in the Isthmian Games? Now, I don't know about the original Olympic Games, but in the Isthmian Games on the Isthmus of Corinth, you got a wreath to wear on your head. You know what that wreath was made out of? Wilted celery. I don't know about you, but I don't like wilted celery just enough to get it from the crisper bin to the trash can, let alone wear it on my head. Would you wear wilted celery on your head? No, I didn't think so. But they did all this work. They exercised all this self-control. They put out all this effort. They traveled to the games just to win a wreath that was perishable. How about us getting a reward that is imperishable? being able to cross over that finish line and hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the glory of the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to forget what lies behind. And you know what goes along with that? Forgiving. The biggest obstacle I think I have ever faced in my life was failing to forgive. Because I was the one that was held prisoner by my unforgiveness. And when I finally let it go, I felt like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. So forget those things that are behind. Forgive those things that are behind and press on. Press on toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm doing this because he has obtained me and called me. Running to obtain makes life too serious. If all you're thinking about is getting something else, getting that next new outfit, getting that next house, that next car, that next horse, that next gun, whatever, whatever you're running after, if all you're doing is running to obtain, you're taking life too seriously. But running because we have been obtained makes life secure. I run this race because Jesus reached down, lifted me up out of a, a mess of sin, washed my sins away, and wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I run because Jesus Christ saves. Jesus. It's all about Him. Believers can all say we have been obtained. If you're a Christ follower, you need to say, I have been obtained. You're obtained by election. In Ephesians 1 and 4 in the ESV, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Jesus said in John 15 and 16 that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We've been obtained by adoption. Ephesians 1 and 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. According to the purpose of his will, I am his. I belong to him. The owner gets the right to say what the purpose is. Ask God for your purpose if you don't know. Ask God what he wants you to do. You are his and you've been obtained by election, you've been obtained by adoption, and you've been obtained by purchase. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You've been obtained. You've been purchased. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You've been obtained. If you feel him in your life, and he's drawing you, You've been called. If you respond to that and you follow hard after him and you run this race with him, 
You've been called. You've been obtained. We've been obtained by reconciliation. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We have been obtained. We've been obtained by regeneration. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us. Oh, wow. He didn't save us because of who we were. He saved us because of who he is. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Running for eternal life is proof that you have been obtained and his grace is sufficient for your race. It's a race of grace and it's a fight of faith. The scripture says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And we need to know that we've been obtained to run in this race. Verse 27. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Remember disqualified means counterfeit, not real. Am I the real deal? Am I painting a picture of Christ with my life? Am I letting others see Jesus living in me? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia says this, You were running well. Who did hinder you from obeying the truth? Isn't that a question we should all ask ourselves? You were running well. What hindered you? Was it the person that we couldn't forgive? Was it lust? Was it covetousness? What kept me from running well? You know, the Bible says, if your hand offend you, you should cut it off. But you know, that won't keep you from being covetous. Because what you coveted with the right hand before you severed it, you now covet with the left hand. It also says, if your eye offend you, pluck it out because it's better to enter into the kingdom with only one eye than to not enter in. But if you pluck out the right eye, you can still look at the websites and the magazines with the other eye. He was doing that to say how serious we need to take this race. We're in a race it's a grace race. And it's a grace race because running in grace will verify that grace worked in our lives. Revelation 19 verse 7 says it this way. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. 
Let's read one more passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. The Apostle Paul starts this out, and, and he does it, and it's a parallel to what we read for our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27, because he talks about the th same things. But look at the difference. He's nearing the end of his race, and he says it this way, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. He's no longer swinging at the air. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Boy, in this year 2020, I'm saying even so come Lord Jesus. I'm anxious to see him. I believe he's setting things up for his second visit. That we'll hear the trump of God. And the scripture tells us that the dead in Christ shall meet him in the air. I'm anxious. Yes, it's a race. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. But do you know that he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Going back to Revelation 19.7, he said, the bride has made herself ready. Everybody say ready. The bride made herself ready. It wasn't the attendants that made her ready. It wasn't the crowd that came to see them get married that made her ready. Who made her ready? The bride made herself. I want to tell you all something. That talks about me. Because I am the bride. Now don't imagine me in a wedding dress because that will spoil the whole thing. But the bride has made herself ready. So let's ask ourselves, what are we doing to win the prize at the end of this race? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful Thankful for your calling, thankful for your grace, thankful for your mercy and your love and your faith that you instilled in us. We ask, oh God, that you would touch hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you would encourage these spiritual athletes today. I pray, dear God, that you would guide us. Help us, Lord, to be strong. Help us to know what will maximize our efforts as we work in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you started it. The word of God says you're the author and finisher of our faith. You're the beginner and you're the perfecter of our faith. Lord, make our faith perfect. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.